Welcome back, everybody, to the Cancel for Maintenance podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are a show that takes a behind-the-scenes look into the gritty, non-glamorous life of aircraft maintenance. We share some laughs, impart some wisdom, all in hopes of giving you that split-second relief in your day that can hopefully prevent a mishap. I am your co-host, Six. I'm MVP. And our third host, Shoreline, is here again in the back, silently monitoring our audio and making sure our faces stay fit for radio. We are joined once again by our return, return guest, Cora, the aviation therapist. Welcome back. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me again. Happy to be here. And thank you once again for coming back on the show. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in to us for the very first time, Cora is a mental health specialist who aids those in the aviation community. She's also worked with law enforcement and veterans. Uh, am I missing anything else? <laughs> Um, nope. Uh, just a little bit of forensic background as well, but definitely knee, knee deep in the aviation at the moment, which I love. Oh, most definitely. And we, we actually appreciate that a lot because honestly, besides you, there's not a whole lot of aviation centric therapists out there yeah. or that, that we know of for that matter. Oh, me either. <laughs> me either. I don't know many either. It's great, great business model. In fact, for me, you're the only one that I know of. You know, that's that that caters to uh, this industry. I found one in the South and I wanted to reach out and do like a clinical internship with me. And he only asked me one thing after I reached out and he was like, are you a pilot? And I was like, I'm working on my PPL and then radio silence. So the only one I've been able to find, it's like not unless you are a pilot pilot. So there is someone in the South. I can't remember his name, but he is out there. I guess, why would it matter, though? I, I, yeah, exactly. I was like, well, that says a lot about, you know, where you're coming from. And I respect what you're doing. But um, message received loud and clear. Right. So the holidays are coming up. Uh, my personal favorite holiday has came and went. Uh, well, at least at the time of the release of this episode, it would have came and went. But with the holidays, though, uh, while it's meant to be a season of happiness, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all those uh, seasonal holidays in between. Let's just admit it's not the reality for a good number of us, especially those in the service industry, such as aviation and mental health therapy and so forth. <laughs> uh, to it, uh, there's a name for a depressive disorder that recurs surprisingly in line with the holiday season, which is SAD, S-A-D, <laughs> or seasonal uh what's it seasonal affective disorder sad yep. i mean i i gotta hand it to the person who coined that uh or the group of people who coined that because uh, i don't know it, it just seems like pure genius to me like sad huh. yeah like, it's a very easy one like doesn't take much i love it you know because when you're when you're struggling, the last thing, you know, you want to do is critically think. So real easy to just be like, yep, I am sad. Like, or I have sad, right? Like yeah, I have the case I of the sad. I sad. <laughs> I, I, I has sad. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we've talked uh, briefly a couple episodes before about sad and how seasonal depression can just really hit you when you least expected i guess is the best way to put it like it's one of those like you're in a funk and you don't know why and it just so happens to be in one of the air quotes happier times of the year and like mm -hmm. everyone's having a good old time or at least faking the funk of having a good old time and 
seeing them at least try to live through it like it is happy, it just makes you even worse. <laughs> yep. Well, they, so, yeah, they say it's the most wonderful time of the year, but it sometimes doesn't feel that way. Uh, you know, it could be maybe a, a multitude of things, you know, okay, well, geez, I don't feel it's the wonderful time because I got to buy Christmas gifts for everyone and their brother. Uh, you know, um, it's the end of the year and budgets are tight at work. And I don't know if, you know, if I'm, I'm about to downsize my department or if I'm going to get the ax or whatever the case, uh, Cora, in your experience, what's kind of been the common denominator when it comes to, to sad? Well, um, you know, the seasonal affective disorder originates from, um, you know, lack of sunshine. Um, so it really does mean, you know, less access to sun and that's where it comes in as seasonal. Um, so, you know, starting with that, especially in summer where we're generally, you know, we you combine sunshine and access to nature. I know up here, unless you're like really committed, it's cold and miserable and I'm not that committed. So, you know, most people don't spend as much time in nature as they do during summer. And so nature is a way of self-care, whether it's intentional or not. If you spend a minimum of 20 minutes outside, your brain is going to get the benefits from that, whether that's your intention or not. So one, we're inside more. Two, we're generally socializing less as well. Um, so just on the the basis of, you know, not even including the holidays and what kind of emotions those things bring up, uh, most people are socializing less and having what we call informal social interactions. So things such as, you know, if it's a nice day outside and you have kids and you go to the same park, you might start to see the same other kids show up and maybe your, your kids, you know, get a bond with them and you talk to the other parents and while you might never call them and ask to hang out, those informal social interactions are so good for the brain. And obviously, as everyone's getting hunkered down, like you're saying, this preemptive stress, people are saving money, kind of going out less than they did in the summer. We still need those things as a human and then take away the sunshine. That kind of leads to how any living creature would react and it would be a little sad you know less socializing and less sunshine except maybe floridians i don't know it's always usually sunny when i go down there but in general most of the population that's kind of the impact um that we see and and where it originates from you know i never would have guessed that sunshine would be a key factor in all of this. And it, it likewise surprised me in a couple episodes before with yourself and uh, two of our uh, aviation dietitian uh, friends, uh, Jill and uh, Alexis, that being like, there's a certain time period where it's like prime sun exposure. Yeah. <laughs> I did not yep. know that. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah. And so obviously as you know, winter comes and depending on your latitude in the world, so to speak, uh, you know, that window is is going to shrink. Um, so just being sure that if, if you are really capitalizing on that, that you might have to adjust the time a little bit, depending on where the sun hits um, in, in your region. So, yeah, that is a thing. Now, uh, going on, besides the sun exposure, do you uh, I think you kind of mentioned already with outside stressors? Um, so like, say, like, 
for us who are always on the line or going to and from airports with lots of windows <laughs> or lots of <laughs> o- lots of open windows yeah. uh, do you, do you think that contributes to it as well like uh, kind of like uh i i think the good only word i can think of is like people saturation you know like you're oversaturated with people uh, as you're commuting to and from does that contribute to sad as well yeah yeah i mean you know a, a, a lot of things can contribute to sad and sad is what we would you know probably classify as as a mood disorder and that mood disorder from a mental health perspective is usually any consistent mood or emotional state that you experience for more than three to four months so you know that could be if if you are kind of on that cusp of of burnout and then you know maybe you're not watching like what's a summer sport people watch i don't know i'm a hockey person <laughs> but you know maybe you're you're taking away some of those routines and maybe you're like like this close to not you know kind of losing your shit or hitting that burnout wall then that it's not going to take much to kind of you know tip that over huh. you know um, I, as you said like what, what what's a summer sport like what is a summer sport baseball i think baseball baseball is a, a summer sport right I don't know swimming. What water polo? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, sorry, everybody. If this is your thing, like I'm sorry. <laughs> I think baseball is a summer sport. It sounds like it would be a summer sport. Um, I'm gonna say baseball. I've sat at baseball games like really hot, so I'm just gonna remember that like, <laughs> it was summer. Yeah, the only sports I really know that comes around this time of year is football and uh, basketball. But I think that basketball is like almost purely indoors, so like. Yep. I think that could roll all year round for all we know. And I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have like DVR, you can play it all year round. Just don't tell yourself when it started and you can watch a new game anytime you want. Right. Or just be so stacked with work that, you know, it just auto records on its own and then you kind of have like a whole series if and when you do get a day off to catch up on it. (laughs) Yeah. Binge watch. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's been there. Not or hopefully you have a, a long a long flight or a long commute that you can download those and um catch up yep absolutely <laughs> so uh for us like for those service industries i mean that have to do there well you kind of already said it already with having the burnout and coming onto that line um does sad stack up with other types of disorders or anxiety issues yeah yeah so you know you mentioned this is kind of a time where people are maybe seeing family or loved ones and i think it's important to remember that for some people that can be very like triggering or really activating for them and then you know like i said if if watching your summer sport or doing your summer activities were kind of that thing that's been keeping you even keel and now that's gone and now we're adding this other stress um, and we kind of, you know, like you were saying, this this paint a picture of it's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, you know, to anyone else, that's kind of saying if your family or your holidays aren't wonderful, then they're that's not Christmas, or you know, that's doesn't fit in this narrative. So I think you know, being more honest, kind of with ourselves and within our social communities, even if it's not necessarily family, about yeah, you know, I. Christmas is stressful. I have to see these people. It's hard for me not to throttle them across the table. I need to take walks, you know, 
prior to that, I think that would really normalize. And I think we'd find out that a lot more people feel like that. Um, But no one wants to be like the Grinch or like the deficit Debbie um, around, you know, the holidays, like no one wants to be that person. There's twinkly lights. Um, But I think, you know, being honest about that can really bring us together within different communities that might be a little bit not as traditional, such as, you know, bloodlines or family ties. Yeah, that's a that's a very good way to put it. Um, have you ever uh, ran into somebody or at least have you had in your experiences, have you ever seen someone where like they, they, uh, I want to say misdiagnosed, but they, they don't think that they have some kind of disorder like sad. They just think like, okay, it's just a bad day and they just keep trucking along. <laughs> or um uh and they try to fix it by means that just make the problem worse <laughs> if that makes any sort of sense yeah yeah so definitely um you know whether it's like a misdiagnosis from themselves whether you know like they don't take it as seriously i think also you know working um with men and women um you know symptoms for certain things look different so i think right now a lot of the popularized literature and information, for example, you know, you mentioned depression. So I'm going to use that as a jumping off point. Um, you know, most of the things that we think of in mainstream depression are going to be, you know, um, isolation, um, staying in bed, lack of motivation. And that's largely true. But for folks, uh, you know, such as men or who have, um, you know, higher levels of testosterone, one of the biggest symptoms of depression is actually irritability. And unfortunately, that kind of gets missed in a lot of the main dialogue around depression. So it's really easy if maybe you have a symptom that isn't as widely talked about, and then you're kind of just using the information you have. So if you know, you're listening to this, I really encourage you to um, ask your therapist or your life coach or mental health professional you know, have you been trained to work with women? Have you been trained to work with men? Have you been trained to work with trans women or trans men or, you know, stuff like that? Because it really can be a difference of, you know, chemical balance can show different symptoms in people. So if, you know, you're looking or trying to figure that out, that might be a way to, to kind of narrow down results. So you're saying my irritability is not because I'm actually, <laughs> I'm not beca- just irritable because I hate my boss. <laughs> it's like, yes. she might be a symptom of something greater. Stop it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, especially symptoms that are deemed as like inconvenient, such as, you know, irritability. It's like, oh, you're just, you know, a grouchy man or that's toxic masculinity um no like let's peel that back a little bit like how long have you been you know feeling like this and obviously if that's your only symptom then maybe you know let's bring in some more information but if you have that as well as some other things then you know let's take a holistic approach um i also you know really hesitate especially with folks in in the aviation industry on my end from diagnosing people, um, because I know, you know, if I'm sitting across from someone and, you know, they are showing signs of depression in the aviation community, that can, you know, ground someone or clip their wings. So I work from more of a, what are the symptoms of it and working backwards from the symptoms rather than the diagnosis. You know, that that just pretty much highlighted 
every single aircraft mechanic I know of. Like they, when you're saying like, oh, they're just irritable or, or you're just a grumpy person. And it's like pretty much all of us all the time, every time. <laughs> and yeah. when, when you were saying like, what, what makes you mad? What makes you irritable? And I'm starting to process a lot of this. Like what, what does, I mean, it's kind of like, what's the flavor of the day, right? That makes me mad. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, I wake up mad and the day just kind of makes it worse. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, for example, another symptom that's uh, more common with men with depression, because we're running with that, is um, like body pains and aches. You know, that's not necessarily something that's super widely talked about. Thankfully, we are bringing in more of the somatic science and, you know, the physiological sensations. Um, but that can be another one. And that's something that when I'm meeting someone for the first time or trying to assess the acuteness of a situation with someone, I often ask, like, how does your body feel? Like, literally, like, not emotionally. Let's start with, like, a body scan. How, what are areas that tend to flare up? How often are they doing that? Um, and that can also be another thing that, again, isn't as widely talked about. But thankfully, it's uh, hidden, hitting more streams, I guess. Well, like what's what sort of common body part problems uh, have you seen or heard? Yeah, so a couple, um, you know, like back pain, shoulder pain. I know I think we talked in like a previous episode, like digestion problems or tummy aches, increased heartburn, also migraines, headaches, um, trouble sleeping, a lot of things. The list is endless if you really um, think about it. I, I feel like you're personally looking, you're seeing through me right now. I'm, I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm just saying like all, all of the above. <laughs> and then, you know, to, I don't know, maybe this is a little taboo, but, you know, like sex drive and sexual function and sexual desire, kind of, you know, monitor, monitoring that as well and asking about that um, can also, you know, be one of the points that I cover with someone when we're kind of trying to assess the symptoms. You know what else I've noticed is when you mentioned about go see a therapist, go see a life coach, go see a professional, um, especially in the aviation industry, they're very, and you said it already, where they have that fear of getting their wings clipped or getting put on the bench or grounded or just not generally being able to do what they want to do or love to do. So that kind of makes them either a hesitant to do it because they don't want to have their lifestyle in threat or b like they just feel like oh i don't want some shrink to just kind of unpack my head and and um start uh messing around with inside there and stuff like that mm -hmm. so uh, yeah I, which is fair um and, you know, I will say if you're listening and you're like, I don't feel like divulging every tiny detail, that is one of the ways. And for example, trauma, that can be a really good way to, to heal it. So what we call exposure. But for some other more mild things, we can talk about how to, you know, like be resilient with it without you needing to tell me every nitty gritty detail if you want to. Of course you can. Um, but therapy and mental health and psychology as a whole are kind of bringing in other ways of just like tell me everything from the day you were born until you know the second you walked into my office because that can be really triggering for people and it's fair for someone to not want to tell a total stranger everything especially if their livelihood is on the line so i just want to say you know if anyone's listening there are 
like trained professionals that can get you several of the benefits that you could possibly have gotten from every little detail. Um, and not everything you can't, not everything is curable through not saying everything, but there is a large number of things that can be addressed without, you know, going line by line of every traumatic thing that's ever happened to you. I agree. And, um, I, I remember hearing some kind of, uh, rebuttal from a few mechanics in the past or, well, aviation specialists, both mechanics and pilots, where they say like, I, I don't need to see a shrink or I don't need to see professional help because I have my homies, I got my friends, I have booze, I have cigarettes, I have guns or whatever, like high adrenaline-esque, uh, activity. Yeah. You know? Which I agree is fair. Like, I mean, at that, that, that adrenaline rush sure will take your mind off it for a however long that, that event happens. Right. Um, but I personally would say like, there's some of those coping mechanisms that might be both unhealthy to yourself and to your wallet. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And to others around you too. I mean, that's always something is, I mean, in this economy, most of us are cohabitating with people. So, um, yeah, you know, not checking that stuff can definitely, like, if you live with someone, make them upset. And then if you're a perceptive person, then you're also noticing that. And then it's probably a downward spiral. Um, so, yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> I can fully attest, especially with the way things are going now, like, um, what what decisions you make now can like vastly affect you uh in the short and long run um so like say for uh say someone who's having sad or any type of other uh issue coming into the holidays um what would be a way to uh encourage them to seek some sort of help yeah um you know, I always tell clients, future clients, past clients, like ask questions, uh, you know, like you want to know if we're a good fit for you just as much as we want to know if, if I'm a, wait, <laughs> ask questions because it's equally important that you like me, that I like you, you know, and like my services can, can match what you're doing. So, you know, asking people that you may know that have gone to folks, um, like mental health people. If you follow me on Instagram or, you know, know my website, feel free to ask me. I always, you know, tell folks that if you are seeing someone really good questions to ask are, you know, like I mentioned, how have you been trained to work with women or men or, you know, LGBTQ populations or BIPOC populations? Um, those are questions that you're um, really allowed to ask. I, I like it when, you know, clients can kind of identify that. It's obviously never an expectation, but you have every right to ask questions for a service you're going to pay good money for, especially if you're one of the folks paying out of pocket instead of going through insurance due to, you know, um, the diagnosis requirements from providers. And obviously that's a big no-no for folks in the industry. So, you know, you wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without hopefully trying them on or at least making sure they're the right size. Otherwise, you're going to have a pair of shoes that you tell yourself you're going to return and they sit by your front door. Then six months go by and you're like, well, I can't return them anymore. And a year later, they're still there. <laughs> 
that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, th- this may be a little triggering for some people, but I've I've noticed too, like around this time, especially around the holidays, this is where people start to up their awareness when it comes to more drastic measures like suicide or drink or drunk driving um setting their houses on fire from turkey frying stuff like that you know and it's i get it with the genuine heart that some of these come through but um for like say someone who's experiencing some type of uh disorder where their emotions are not um not the best let's say that and hearing those things coming out like don't do suicide. Suicide is bad. Don't don't get into a fight with your significant other or spouse or loved one because it's bad and mm-hmm. this and that, right? So it's the message kind of gets lost, so to yeah. say, right? And instead of and it kind of does the opposite where instead of like making you feel encouraged to op- open up about potential um harmful ideations, it kind of makes you want to do it more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if this is what you're asking, but for anyone, you know, listening and maybe you're noticing someone, you know, close to you is going through it, for lack of better words, um, in terms of how you can help in any, you know, whether it's anxiety, depression, or any of those generally unpleasant feelings, it's a matter of like replacing like your your energy in doing that. So instead of saying, well, just like, don't be sad, say, hey, I'm going for a walk. Do you want to come with me? So right now, I just want to emphasize of like, once you make the decision to, you know, quote unquote, not be sad, it's not going to work unless you like do something different. And that might even mean like taking a walk or like picking up like a new show and I'm just trying to think of like low energy things because no one wants to learn like to play the piano when they're depressed or anything like that. But, you know, even if it's something really small, trying to do something different. And if you're the person offering or suggesting any kind of help, do kind of the thinking for them and say, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you want to come? Or can I pick you something up and kind of take the lead on suggestions? Because it can be really hard for people that are like going through it. And you're like, let me know if you need anything. And they're like, I don't even know other than like, you know, eat, sleep, like defecate, you know, like, I don't know. So the more you can kind of have options to choose from and take that like weight off of the person you're trying to help can be really helpful on the same vein. I don't know if you're like headed this direction, but if you are maybe one of those people that are more prone to, you know, sad, um, kind of, you know, the doing the thinking prior to when you know that life is hard. I mean, most of us can say like, at this point, we're all adults, I'm assuming, unless there's like some really smart toddlers tuning in. Um, but, you know, we've all had enough holidays that we can generally say like, yeah, you know, winters are kind of tough for me or winters usually go by quick. So if you know that you're one of those people that's like grunt and bear it from October to, you know, February, March, kind of do some of that thinking in the summertime and set yourself up for success in terms of, 
If you know that maybe like shopping for your hobby is hard and you don't like going to the store as much, maybe buy some more of whatever materials you have, like you will need down the line. Also, I encourage folks to make lists. I know it sounds so silly, but like making lists of things they like to do during the summer um, because it can be really hard when you are in that like depression state to generate fun things to do. So if you can kind of capture and do the heavy lifting, lifting, thinking on what you like to do, then that puts less pressure on your future self to come up with things that you like to do, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. Uh, Mr. MVP, I remember you mentioned uh, something about um, activities yourself. Um, uh, if you can like kind of refresh my memory about it, like uh, some things you were uh, mentioning or asking. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Caught me off guard because uh, I kind of don't remember <laughs> what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, uh, um, it was something about kind of like... Um, like activities, right? I think it was something about activities and like uh, what sort of uh, things you, we can suggest. I want to, I think it was. Um, oh, you mean uh, things, you know, read something or, you know, to help, to help overcome the sad uh, from crippling you, I guess, you know, is there, is there something, you know, certain literature that, people people should read to to better understand um you know for me specifically recently with uh, just dealing with the normal stresses that come with corporate culture uh the stoic philosophy has really helped me um reading 2000 year old lectures by uh ancient roman and greek philosophers it, it's kind of helped me to broaden my mind a little bit and learn how to handle uh 2023 corporate america you know so for the sad the sad part of it is there is there something people could look into that they could help broaden their spectrum change their mindset about it know what it is but also to how to view it differently right and so instead of okay i'm sad but instead of letting it consume me if I change my viewpoints on it and you can kind of recognize when things are happening and you can then maybe help change your outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of books, I should be more scholarly and you are much more scholarly than me. (laughs) Um, I don't have any. Most of mine are like, let's divulge trauma. And if you're walking away like feeling happier after reading those, I I don't know about it. But um, I guess in general, you know, tips, uh, the best tip I guess I can give um, for folks specifically in aviation. I know, you know, many people, especially pilots and, you know, folks that are learning on their feet and they're constantly moving their bodies and their jobs. Sometimes it can be really challenging when interventions that are suggested to you are just like take away all like sensory input and sit still in a quiet room that can be really hard for people so if you find yourself you know kind of thriving in that work environment where you are you know running around and you're having to use your hands in combination with your brain then starting with self-care there might not be the worst idea some people's brains are just built a little bit differently. So if I have someone that's like, I just, you know, like 
when I take away all sensory inputs, it's really hard for me. Okay, so let's, how can we self-care while still, you know, kind of giving you those sensory inputs? So if you are one of those people that it was really hard to sit at a desk in school and book work was really hard, starting with how can I like self-soothe with all my senses? Because that is probably, you know, the language your, your body knows. So starting with, you know, exercise, obviously, like I'll say it, that sometimes is like the most unappealing thing if you're like depressed in bed. So maybe it might look like getting a blanket that's a slightly different texture than the one you normally have and feeling that or, you know, door dashing some food. I'm, I'm just trying to like think of like really low energy suggestions. Um, or if, if in, in the summertime, there's like a I know there's lots of farmers markets and if there's someone that sells candy that you can only get in the summertime or something, buying some to have during the winter or having a little candy stash or something like that, that you can kind of bring yourself back through taste. Um, You know, like look at animals like chipmunks and bears, they, you know, kind of different, maybe not on a mental health perspective, but they eat a bunch of nuts and berries or, you know, whatever. And so maybe as humans, we're just getting a little cocky of like, we don't need to prepare for winter. Um, I mean, yeah, our, our preparation is different than stashing food to eat through the winter. Our preparation needs to be uh, setting ourselves up for success with mental health, right? Yes. Um, like you, you mentioned earlier, a list. Hey, these are what I can do in the in the summer, but what can I do in the winter? And what what's appealing? Have I ever? I've never skied before. Maybe I'm going to do that this winter. I'm going to even if I only do it once, but it's something to look forward to and a goal to work towards. Yes. Or I'm going to winter camp. I've never camped in this in a snow before. You know, just different things. Yeah, it might look like saving some extra money during the summer because, I don't know, I live near, like, mountains and winter sports are, like, prohibitively expensive. So if you know, like, all that's around me is mountains, I'm going to take a little bit of the money I would have spent during summer and do it there. You know, any person that flies or is in aviation, you don't send a pilot up without, like, an emergency checklist. So, again, going back to, like, we're really cocky to assume that like we can just go into life without kind of having, you know, not necessarily a backup plan, but kind of a checklist of like, okay, what, what should I do now? Because the science definitely says that when you're triggered or activated or in one of those moods, critical thinking drops way low as far as like priorities in your brain. So the more critical thinking of like, what does Cora like to do on Saturdays when she's happy and healthy and kind of writing a list? I tell clients make a menu of things starting with your senses that you like. So maybe um, it's like if starting with touch, maybe it's getting some fun like Play-Doh or thinking putty or fidget cubes. So then if you're kind of, you know, stuck in a slump, you just pick up your little menu and you're like, okay, like let's, Let's start with touch. Okay, I have my putty or this blanket or this weird texture thing. Or if you have like bubble wrap, something like that. All right, that didn't work. Let's go down the checklist. Taste. Okay, so I I like Jolly Ranchers and I bought Jolly Ranchers earlier. Let's try that. Or a hot cocoa. 
Um, you know, just literally you have five senses, make a menu of three to five things that you like for each one, pull that out when you're not critically thinking the same way that you'd like to, especially when you're trying to get yourself out of a slump and go from there. Similar to a checklist, you know, if something went wrong um, on the flight line. You know, that, that's a really good point you mentioned there. And as you're saying all this between, and also MVP, as you're saying this, it kind of reminds me of this latest hobby that I've re- I picked up on. And um, so uh, it actually kind of started with MVP with, with uh, lore. MVP is the MVP when it comes to lore. And mm-hmm. um, he, he really is like, I, I don't know how he retains it. He's like a steel trap when it comes to this stuff. And in the it, it, he tells it so lively that it makes me reenact it for myself, right? But um, I'm not that uh, patient <laughs> when it comes to reading. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and I, as you're saying, like you're one of those ones, like I have to like uh, th- those individuals who can shut off their senses and be totally fine. That's not me. I, yeah. I, I can't. I can't. I, I don't know what it is. I fidget. I have like uh, uh, basement autism or something like that. You know. Um, but uh um anyways going back to it so it started with the lore and in in understanding and living the lore it kind of made me want to um uh be meticulous in my own way which kind of involves my hands and my eyes and part of the lore involves having these little miniature models that kind of reenact bits and pieces of the lore so what i've been doing is i started uh splurging a little more than I should on these little miniature models <laughs> and I would paint them in such a way where it kind of sort of mimics the lore right oh that's cool and um uh as you were saying like um it, it's stimulating right like it, it gives me something to fidget with because it's really small right and um if and when the critical thinking kicks in as I'm painting then I can see like oh hey that's pretty gratifying it used to be bl- used to be gray now it's bright red or or something right and it's kind of like this childish uh impulse that comes through when you see color on things that are not right it's it sounds weird but uh, i'm telling you at least for me anyway like uh there's some therapy there's some very therapeutic stuff behind just having to meticulously focus on this or hyper focus on this tiny bubble and at some point like um as i'm painting i kind of just forget that i'm painting i'm just kind yeah. of just like looking at it and like there's color here oh that's pretty cool and then yeah, all the while yeah and then all the while i'm like listening to something else like some like some other podcast of people explaining a certain piece of lore that mvp mentioned or i'm just listening to some kind of music or whatever and uh what's funny enough is at least the moods i'm uh that is being expressed as i'm listening to this it kind of translates to the color right um like uh, a lot of the lore that uh, MVP has mentioned to me, and then some people recap, it's very grim, dark mm-hmm. lore. And so like, uh, I've noticed it at least when I start painting it and I'm listening to this grim, dark stuff, I come out with very darker colors. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Like a visual rep, like manifestation. Right. And I'm not thinking about it. I'm just like, this looks like it matches, right? And yeah. Or like, this looks too bright. Let's just darken that down just a wee bit make it seem more depressive and everything sucks <laughs> you know and, but um i i think that's just me in particular because i'm very when i when i'm uh let's say when i'm stressed or when i'm not feeling myself i get real meticulous and i start fidgeting on things right i feel like i need to be productive and do something but 
not so productive where I got to commit into something. Like I have to long-term plan this out. Yes. Right? And, and I, think that's a, I think that's the case for a lot of people where like they, they want to be productive, but they don't want to commit. So like what, what is, as you said, low energy enough that can curb this meticulous drive, but also be rewarding like almost immediately, right? And it, it's, for me itself, it was like this revelation discovery almost where like color is a thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and I, I'm still trying to learn how to do this and I see other people do it. Uh, and I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to paint like that just because like, like these models, for instance, like the largest one I've seen is about no larger than my thumb. And it's kind of like trying to draw a face on the ridges of your thumb or at least like within the thumbprints. Yeah. <laughs> so like this section is going to be a mountain and this little section is going to be a village and it's all like within the size of your thumb, which is pretty wild. That kind of, that part kind of sort of drives me nuts, but it's usually around that time where I kind of just turn my brain off and just whatever happens, happens. (laughs) As MVP MVP says, like, you know, you just like Bob Ross, like happy accidents, happy accidents. Oh yeah. Happy little, happy, happy, happy trees. There's no uh, mistakes, only happy accidents. Exactly. (laughs) I went on on a rant. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no. I was going to say, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, well, when I'm depressed, I don't like doing anything. Um, I really encourage you to start with doing something you're good at. Um, can kind of get like you just did such a good job of describing like the little pistons in your brain working through basically little problem solvings. How are you going to paint this? Um, you know, based on maybe how you're feeling or what you're listening to. So if you're like, when I'm down in the dumps, nothing sounds fun. Start with something that you're good at. And eventually like you are going to kind of get that same exact feeling that kind of what you were just describing. So just wanted to like throw that out there. Appreciate that. And, and, uh, I think this is something MVP have talked about too. Like when we're feeling the most or the least of ourselves, that's when all the, all the happy art happens. Right. And, um, I, I'm starting to really see, a, a a common factor there, especially with people with art, uh, or like say, or like an MVP's case with woodworking, right? Like I'm not feeling myself. I'm going to go build a garage. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's actually really good. If you've seen some of his stuff, like you just, you made that like in the span of an hour, man, like, yeah, yeah no big deal. Like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> and so that kind of, that tracks with what Cora is saying, everyone out there, like um, when you're not feeling yourself, just start doing something that you're good at. And lo and behold, now you have some kind of art piece. Maybe. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. For, you'll at least maybe think of something else you'd rather be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I consider it like mowing the grass. You can see your progress. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. Um, yes. What you're doing, and then in, and then as you get better, you can look back at the first thing you made or painted, and then look at what you currently you know made, and you can see, wow, I've really improved since then. And then that, that makes you feel good. You're like, okay, I'm I am getting better. I might not see it because I'm doing it all the time, or you know, I'm always with me, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, and so, but then you get that one time where somebody else shows up or you send them a picture or something, they go, holy cow, that was you. And you're like, oh, it, it actually is semi-okay. Oh, okay. This is cool. 
Yeah, we are definitely our own worst critics. Like, we'd never talk to our loved ones the way we talk to ourselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it'd be instead of 50% of marriages end in divorce, it'd be 100% of marriages never happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, uh, besides what we mentioned, is there any other tips that you can think of that where someone who's experiencing sad or some other type of emotion? some type of disorder where like they can at least give some form of relief to themselves kind of like self-help i guess that's the a way to uh, ask well, well if i could jump in here real quick and sorry to you know cut you off core because you're the professional but early on in the episode um you mentioned you know nobody talks about the aches and pains that come along with this and nobody has these discussions and i think you know, a lot of the sad is, uh, and probably a lot of people will, will, can can uh, say that they felt the same way, but there's a feeling of aloneness. Even if you have a family or a significant other or a, a, a group of uh, close-knit friends, you can still feel alone because life happens and, and, and it gets you into a certain headspace. And nobody really talks about it. Um, you don't really bring it up to your, your friends or family or whatever. And, and even if you, if they ask, Hey, what's going on? And it almost feels that those are hollow questions. Uh, they don't, yeah. nobody really cares how you're doing. It's, uh, it's just a, the acceptable response is fine or great. Uh, there's no other, no other way to answer that in, in a truthful matter, because at the end of the day, um, they don't want to be burdened with your problems. And at some point, right, most people realize that nobody cares about their problems, so they they clam up. Oh, how you doing? Fine. Even if your world's on fire, the answer is fine. Yeah. You, you and if you, you know, what am I trying to say here? Nobody, you just realize that nobody cares. So then you start becoming bitter along with that sadness fine nobody cares about me i don't care about anyone else and subsequently you alienate yourself further driving yourself further into that uh sad becomes uh depression yeah uh, a, a more severe realm of it uh sometimes you can't get out of so we don't have enough people who genuinely care when you know to to listen and be genuine when you ask, "Hey, how are you doing?" Because, and I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I'm uh, I'm kind of an empath. I feel I feel what others feel, and I can tell when something's off. And I'll say, "Hey, how are you doing today?" And they're like, "Oh, fine." And I always go back, "No, how are you really feeling?" And then they'll open up a little bit more, and they might not totally open up to you in that instance, but a few more times like that, and they go, "Oh, here's somebody I can confide in." And if all you have to do is sit there for 10 minutes or however long and listen to their their story, that's sometimes all they need. They just needed somebody to know. They don't yeah. want you to maybe solve anything. They just want they just want somebody to know that that not everything is good. Yeah. Yeah, no for sure. And I think to what you're saying like sometimes we don't give people the opportunity to give us like to care about us um 
And just because maybe the first or second person was a jerk or was just not seemed to care, you know, not to belittle what, what people go through, but kind of, you know, trying again in different contexts, obviously that you feel safe, but also it can be really beneficial to still surround yourself with those people. Um, you know, even if you don't want to talk about it and for some people, like they don't want to talk about it and that's perfectly fine. But if you're, you know, kind of struggling and to kind of tie it to like a statistic, one of the biggest determinants of like PTSD, for example, after a traumatic event is the social interactions that the person who is traumatized has immediately after. And what the science says is you don't even need to talk about the trauma, but if you can just be around people who genuinely care about you and you're still getting those positive, you know, I hate to say like unironically like vibes from people and feeling cared for, that's still going to really have a positive impact. So if you know, you don't feel comfortable sharing, I still encourage you to like reach out to people who make you feel good about being a human um, and no pressure to talk about whatever that thing is and know that you're still going to get a benefit from still seeing those people. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we've all ran into this where somebody's like, hey, how you doing today? And you're like, oh, well, actually, and you kind of like, they kind of, they were going to continue walking and then they kind of stop and look at you like, oh, you son of a, you're yeah. actually going to tell me, huh? And you look at their face and you can see the genuine, you're like, yeah, this and that. And you look at their face and you see the genuine, like, uh, lack of care in there. Like yeah. You're in, like you're inconveniencing them. So you, you pause and you go, uh, anyways, uh, I'm, I'm good. All good. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And they move on. And you're like, all right, well, you know. Yeah, definitely don't tell everyone. Um, right you know, use your own discretion. And that's kind of where I say, like, if you have well, people, oh, go for it. Well, I was gonna say where I was gonna go with that is, is um, speaking for myself, I've done that with people before who I thought, you know, just from other interactions would genuinely you could uh, somebody you could open up to for a few minutes, right, that they would show genuine interest uh, in you as a human, as you said. Um, but when then they give that same like, oh, you, you mother, you're going to you're going to slow me down. huh? Mm -hmm. And so I think in those cases, it, it can also feel make you even feel more alienated because you're like, ah, oh, that is somebody that I thought could. But it, in fact, it, it's uh, they don't care. So then you're going, hmm, my circle of people yeah. I thought I could talk to just got a little bit smaller. And unfortunately, you know, that's, you're going to have to whittle that down, but eventually you'll get to a solid group of people that, you know, you could call at any point in time and they'd be on the phone with you five minutes to five hours, whatever the case, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, asking if, if, you know, you are trying to figure out like, where is this person? I think that has a lot of power in like self-care for both ends is kind of like, Hey, like, you know, how's your day going? Oh, it's, it's been a doozy. Do you have a second or like, you know, how much do you want to know? Or just kind of offering and giving them a choice because we never know what, you know, our, our colleagues or even sometimes our loved ones are going through. So I think it's unfair to totally write 
someone off, um, you know, just based on one interaction, especially if you're not necessarily giving that person the choice. Um, but if it is one of those people, they might be like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't, I got to go to this meeting, but why don't we grab lunch later? And so, you know, it might be less of you, you being an inconvenience, but more of just like, they can't at that moment. So I think, you know, offering the person like, do you have a minute? Can I tell you? Or yeah. So then it comes down to the positive communication, right? Hey, do you have a few minutes? Actually, yeah. I don't right now, but I will circle back with you. Yeah. Or at like some time. You know, one, I, I, oh, go for I, it. I was just saying, but don't just say, I'll get back with you at some point because that's very open ended. And that, that also seems like, okay, well, that's the end of that conversation. But just say, hey, I actually have a meeting. It's over at noon, though. Can we tag up at 1230? Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to touch on, you mentioned you know earlier about uh, coming up with suggestions. And so sometimes maybe you need to be a little uh, direct, right? You see somebody at their desk and they're kind of, you can tell, you can tell it's been a day before they even got to work. Yes. And so the, every, every little thing is uh, they're getting more frustrated and this and that kind of head in the hands. You say, hey, let's go take a walk. No, I can't. And you kind of go, no, nah, we're going to go. We're going to go take a walk for 10 minutes. We'll be, we're going to come right back. Don't worry about it. And just getting them out of that environment and then doing a little walk and talk. Sometimes that's all, that's all people need to just kind of reset for a second too, you know? Um, yeah. So be a little, I was wondering, you know, I was going to ask you, is like, is it cool to be a little forceful in that kind of a situation? Like, Hey, let's go take a walk. No, nah, I can't. No, nah, we, we got, we got 10 minutes. We can go take a walk. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, obviously, there's a difference between like, someone, you know, um, like, if you know, you have a coworker or something that when they are generally stressed, you see them walking around or taking a break like that. Or, you know, like, if someone smokes cigs, maybe inviting them to like, hey, you want to, you know, take our smoke break together or something like that. And that, you know, obviously takes some time to get to know people you work with to know kind of their signs, I guess, of, you know, how they, how they relax. So if you know, for example, like, if your coworker is having a bad day, they get like a big old frappuccino with chocolate and sprinkles and whipped cream, then, you know, you might come up to them and say like, hey, do you want a frappuccino or going that next step? And, you know, obviously, it's a gamble, but showing up with a frappuccino or something like that, or offering hey, I have an extra, you know, cigarette, do you want to come smoke it? Kind of making that like invitation to them. And then also, you know, respecting if they say no, but you're more likely to get a yes if you kind of offer something that's specific to them. So that's so funny. I, uh, you know, it says if you're hungry, grab a Snickers or you're not you and you're hungry, grab a Snickers or whatever. Uh, I had a coworker not too long ago and, and I could, you know, I could tell by tone of voice and body language when she was having a less than adequate day. And I always knew that uh, Snickers bars were her favorite. So I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to be right back, you know, whatever. And I'd just go down the hall to the vending machine, grab a, some Snickers, and then I would come back. And then she might not be at her desk, or I'd wait till she wasn't at her desk, and I'd just leave them next to the oh. computer, and then I'd disappear. And then yeah. I'd always get a message like, oh, thank you so much for the Snickers. That really help me get through the afternoon, blah, blah, blah. Like it's just little things like that. Right. That, uh, I think it just helps uh, to know that everybody's human, right. And treat them as human. Yeah. You don't have to give them all your time and attention, but acknowledge their, uh, 
existence. In fact, my Skype picture on one of the computers I work at, uh, um, on one of the networks I work on, the Skype picture is a robot and it says, am I real? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's up there. It's been up there for a while. That's funny. Yeah, making connection or, you know, noticing if someone has like a sticker on like their cart or their desk or, you know, their workbook or something like commenting on that. Um, If you don't know how to help, just kind of generating what we call like positive emotions. So, yeah, that's another approach too. if you're like, hmm, what they're going through is like really personal. How do I still make them like feel good, you know, after our conversation asking like, Hey, that's a cool sticker I've noticed that you have on like your toolkit or on your book. Like, what's that about? Or, you know, doing research and asking some questions of like, oh, is that this thing from this other thing? So, yeah, if you don't know how to generate positive emotions, asking questions that generate like a guaranteed positive answer, like what was like the best food you ate this weekend or what was the highlight of your time off or something like that. Um, is usually a good way to like help somebody out without being like, tell me all your deepest and most personal issues right now. <laughs> you know what I always do that uh, to take the edge off of it and to, to just start a conversation, but take their mind off of whatever is ailing with the moment. My question always is, and I ask it to a lot of people on a daily basis. Hey, what's for dinner tonight? One, because they starts getting them thinking about, you know, after after work hours and then they go oh well that's a good question actually i've been in the mood for this and and just you can say oh you're in the mood for that well actually i got dinner from here that serves that and it's you know really good xyz you should try it and uh and also it gives me ideas because maybe i don't know what's for dinner and then they say something like ah i'm getting that too (laughs) you know but that's my uh kind of daily icebreaker with people is like, Hey, what's for dinner tonight? Oh, well, I hadn't really thought about it, but, and then I, I think that it's, um, it gets them thinking about food cause we all like food and, and just, it's a nice five second distraction from whatever else they're doing. Yep. Yep. Food is very linked to like attachment. So uh, I was going to say another thing is, if you don't know how to help someone, food is always something that makes people feel good. Unless they're like allergic to something and like all you have is what they're allergic to, then maybe don't do that. But <laughs> hey, uh, I'm allergic to peanuts, but here's a payday. That's all I got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you want this sandwich I made you. Uh, gee, well, <laughs> you know, you know, speaking of that, uh, I've noticed, or at least we're dealing with uh, some individuals who uh, have some form of neurodivergence is a, uh, Asking the typical question that which we probably all generation of leave grown up with is, how are you doing? Right? It, it seems very harmless to most people, but I've noticed, especially with people with some kind of neurodivergence like ADHD and autism and stuff, you say, how are you doing? And they mentally collapse. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't notice that at first. I just kind of see this person like, uh, it, it's almost like a 180 turn. Like their day was sufferable but manageable and then you say how are you doing and then that was like the straw that broke the horse's back and you could just see them internally shut down like well this was a great conversation uh, yeah. sorry <laughs> i'm sorry and it's like at that point it's like almost unsalvageable at that moment so um instead of saying how are you doing what would be a good positive approachable example to ask someone 
Besides, yeah, how, besides yeah. what we're having for dinner. <laughs> yeah, like, um, say if you're running into someone, I usually ask, like, how is traffic? Um, that can usually, that's kind of like, uh, people will be like, oh, it was like, so easy and i got a lot of green lights versus like you will not believe i got stuck behind a prius and then a bus and you can kind of like without necessarily being like tell me how you feel and sound like mr rogers you can kind of learn a lot about how someone's day has started based on their commute to work so like hey how was traffic or how was the drive out here um is a more neutral question to ask but still can give you kind of an indication of where they are emotionally um same with like how you know what was the highlight of the day after work that you had um you know stuff like that or if you know they're i don't know like sometimes i just ask like what are you looking forward to right now <laughs> you know yeah. can, someone can say like the candy bar in my lunch bag or i just booked a trip to you know I don't know, Maine, I'm going to eat some lobsters. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, so kind of asking things that guarantee a positive answer or are a little more mild, like, how was breakfast? Someone might say, like, oh, I had a, you know, a breakfast sandwich and I stopped at Starbucks on the way. Or, like, I'm hungover and I ate a bagel and I threw it up. Like, those tell you two very different things about the type of morning someone might be having. Almost oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I we've all, we've all been there at some point, right? Like, yeah, uh, like the 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 throw a bagel or like I just like what what was your meal today? I had a coffee. Oh, yeah, fant- I had Advil. <laughs> fantastic! <Yeah. laughs> it's gonna be a great day. Uh, yeah. Monday, Monday day X. Yeah. Uh, so, um, um, someone's having sad or someone's having the the holiday blues, so to say, what's a good way for self-help, you know, before like they see it come in or they realize it enough to know that it's starting to become a problem or they see the season coming like, okay, they, they, they have seasonal dread. Yeah. (laughs) What's one way to self-help or Um, what are some ways? Yeah. So kind of giving, putting something intentionally like in your calendar to look forward to, um so maybe it's like you live in southern california and you're like i'm gonna hit up like a theme park so i'm gonna you know put in request a day off buy my tickets and it's in the calendar maybe you're gonna bring my family and they all know and we're all excited about this as a family or maybe it's i'm gonna take a secret day off and i'm not gonna tell anyone except for my boss and so you have you know something to look forward to Maybe it's looking into what bands or artists are coming into your town and maybe trying to find shows that are happening. You know, if if you get the winter blues, maybe like a nice December, November, January show. Um, and then again, kind of just like reminding yourself, like, I know this sounds silly, but like what you're capable of and your accomplishments. Um, I know it can seem like a lot harder to do things when your days are maybe only six to eight hours of of sunshine or if you live in colder places even shorter so just kind of doing the heavy lifting of like i am still a capable human even when the sun isn't shining um and then just like give yourself permission to like eat the food you like take a day off um even if you don't tell anyone i know that can be kind of hard for some folks and not always attainable um, or, you know, buy yourself something. Sometimes I'll tell clients to like 
bet with yourself that something bad happens. And if that bad thing happens, then like buy that thing in your Amazon cart or order that $6 coffee or, you know, get the McDonald's breakfast, whatever makes you happy. And just give yourself permission. I know this sounds silly, but like to be gluttonous, like, um, you know, kind of overcompensate. I mean, bears do it and they're fat and happy when they crawl into their nests at the start of winter. So uh, whatever you can kind of do to set yourself up to not have to critically think as much because that goes down when you're in your feelings. Um and then, you know, make plans with friends. Uh, again, if even if you don't want to talk about how shitty it is that you're eating a frozen dinner in your apartment alone on Christmas, hang out with people around then. And, you know, if it's one of those things, like, if you don't want to just sit around and talk about the holidays, maybe plan like axe throwing or like go-karts if you live in a place that's sunny or things that are a little bit different than what you normally do, but are still fun. You know, I'm glad yeah, you friends made of mine from back home in the winter time. They plan, uh, they plan a guy's trip every yeah. winter. So it's something to look forward to. Uh, exactly. I mean, I've, I've never been invited to it, but I know that they do it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I'm also glad you mentioned the add to cart uh, part. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember seeing this like memes galore or like, what do you, what do we do when we're set? Add to cart. No. <laughs> Bye now. Yeah. yeah what do they call re- retail therapy? Yes. Yep, yep. It's a thing. And I, 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 I'm starting to love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of it because as we were sitting here talking, uh, one of my orders showed up on the front door. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So. Now I get to go fix a radio that I haven't used in 20 years. And one of mine just said, like, your your order has shipped. Yes. (laughs) It's that that serotonin flowing. Yes, absolutely. So (laughs) that's definitely one. Add to cart is definitely a thing. Your wallet may hate you later. But I mean, obviously, don't splurge too crazy, you know. But little here and there is work, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, or like stop and get that McDonald's on the way home, get that milkshake, or you know, like maybe in the winter you say, When I eat dinner, I'm gonna have a cookie too, or do something that's a little like I don't know, like I I, I hesitate to say frivolous, but maybe leaning more towards gluttonous and just like enjoy it. It'll add that little razzle dazzle into your day. <laughs> well, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know if I've said this on here before, but I used to deploy with a guy back in the day. And, uh, you know, when you're deployed, kind of all you do is gym, work, sleep, repeat. And, uh, you know, typically what people try to do over there is lose as much weight as they can. So when they get home, they look good for their families or whatever. But uh, one day we were standing in the chow hall and he, uh, I was looking at a slice of pie. And then I started walking away and he comes up behind me and goes, what are you doing? Get that, get that pie. I said, oh, I don't need it. He goes, Hey man, you got to live. Yeah. He goes, he goes, look where we're at. He goes, we could all die tomorrow. You got to live. Eat that and pie. Like, and, yep. and so I think about that a lot. <laughs> I think about that saying a lot. Eat that pie. Hey, you got to live. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought it was eat that pie. I'm sorry. <laughs> pie. You got to live. Those are synonymous. <laughs> you should. <laughs> That's t- that totally reminds <laughs> remind me of all the times we said that you want to eat. Just go ahead, eat it. Do it, man. You deserve it. That, that's what it was. Like you deserve it. I'm probably like the worst when it comes to that because when someone's teetering on that line, we're like, I don't know about adding to cart. We're like, do it, bro. Christmas yourself. 
you deserve it. And <laughs> yeah, remember the sh- remember uh, Donna and um, Parks and Rec. Parks treat and Rec. Yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> treat yep. yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm terrible. So, like, if you guys have me as a shopping partner, you're going to be splurging a lot more than you should because <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> Do it, man. Splurge. You deserve it. It's it's not going to be there tomorrow. The sale ends today. Just do it. Exactly. <laughs> it's the last one. It's the last one. So, yes. you're, you're, see, what's going to happen is you're going to not do it because you feel guilty. Then you're going to, the whole drive home, you're going to feel bad that you didn't do it. And then you're going to change your mind, come back. At that point, someone else already got it. And then you're going to hate yourself because you missed an opportunity. Exactly. Seize the day, man. Carpe diem. <laughs> no carpe, carpe diem. diem. Se- seize the carp. <laughs> Uh, can't be sad if you're carpeting all them dms damn (laughs) get it uh and anything else uh, you'd like to add mr mvp no not at this time i think uh i I got in a couple of questions that i wanted and i appreciate cora giving uh her professional explanations thank you Miss Cora, anything else you'd like to say for us or the audience outside? Um, no, other than, you know, check in with with each other. Um, you know, send send memes to your friends you haven't talked to in a while, see how they're doing. You're probably not the only one like struggling. Um and go indulge, buy that thing, eat that cake, eat the pie. Yeah, I think Jill, if if our our nutritionist friend were here, she'd also say, "Eat the cake, eat the pie, enjoy it." You know, you mentioned memes. Uh, Yeah, find some lore to get into, and uh, memes, and just send those back and forth to your uh, friends because that's that's literally what Six and I do all day. (laughs) (laughs) For mental health, memes are good for mental health. That's actually that's that's a science. Yeah, it is a science. Yeah. Yeah. Memes is a is a mental health science now. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are scholarly articles. Uh, look it up. Google it. It's worth the Google. Try it. And, and also, I mean, if any of you guys are into a role play or like not that kind of role play, but if you're into like uh, <laughs> games or, um, you know, like uh, explore, like uh, doing some lore exploration, like how we did with uh, fun facts with Max or airplane facts with Max. Yeah, there's all sorts of like, uh, gatherings where like you don't have to be socially present or physically present to socialize there's like D D. there's uh online games there's tabletops all sorts of ways like it kind of gives you that thing that you're still safe in your bubble but you're still getting out there so to speak right yeah definitely online communities are a great place um to to be a part of and you can do it from the comfort of your own home yes I, I'm I'm starting to become an advocate of journaling too. Um, if uh, if all else fails, like if you just you want to be alone with your thoughts, but not that alone, <laughs> then take up some journaling. <laughs> that that might be the one to kind of help you like reassess and help yourself. But hey, let us know what you guys think. Uh, what sort of things that help you combat sad or the holiday blues? Uh, what sort of suggestions do you guys have? What sort of methods have you tried that worked or didn't work? And uh, what sort of online communities are out there for you? <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Let us know on our social medias, our website. The absolute best way to get a hold of us is on our Discord channel via Patreon. And uh, before I forget, if uh, if you are feeling 
so um, sad, so to say, <laughs> or the holiday blues is starting to get the better of you, please reach out to some professional help, some professional resources. They are very well trained to help you through these issues, or at least um, help you unpack the things that are uh, aggravating these issues. Uh, Cora, our guest, is definitely one of the best ones out there. Um, you can find her at her Instagram at The Aviation Therapist, or um, you could also check her out on her website. Uh, Cora, can you please remind us again what that is? Yeah, for sure. Um, flightdeckcommunity.com. And then I'd also like to throw out um, Thera the air up it's a peer-to-peer -peer support network that uh was founded for flight attendants but now it encompasses all aviation professionals so if you're kind of in that that spot where you're like i want to talk to someone but maybe not someone who's not in the industry that's a really good resource as well most definitely and the air is actually reaching out to expand to all facets of aviation so i mean if it's if it's not there it's getting there yep but by all means, please reach out to these professional resources and it can be completely anonymous. You don't have to tell your friends that you're going through it, whichever way is the most comfortable for you. And on that note, everyone, we thank you all for listening. Ms. Cora, thank you again for joining us and we will see you all again on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs> we would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media, like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.